0: And answers. Is abortion the best answer to an unwanted pregnancy? Is the fetus simply a piece of tissue? Are there any after effects following an abortion? Now, is abortion a freedom of choice issue? Or is it the taking of a life? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Sukran. Pat is an author and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Join Pat today as he presents part two of his message, which he presented in the Philippines titled, Abortion, Freedom of Choice, or the Right to Life? This message, along with other interviews with top Christian scholars, is available at evidenceandanswers.org. Let's join Pat now for part two of his message, Abortion, Freedom of Choice, or the
1: Right to Life. And brainwave activity can be detected on about the 40th day. So a little after, a month after conception, you can detect brainwave activity. Also, the fetus does sense pain. Dr. A. W. Lilly, a professor of fetal psychology at the National Women's Hospital in Auckland, New Zealand, demonstrated that an 11-week-old fetus, or a fetus even as young as eight weeks old, can sense pain and respond to touch. Now, she did this by showing on a closed-circuit TV that when a fetus is pricked with a pin in the hand, it pulls its hand away and opens its mouth, responding to pain. Doctors were also able to detect a change in the heart rate. So the child feels great pain in the abortion procedure. And finally, not only does the fetus feel pain, there is also devastating effects to the mother those who go through abortion. Now, perhaps the largest and most definitive analysis of the mental health risk associated with abortion was published on September 1st in the prestigious British Journal of Psychiatry here. Here a study conducted by Priscilla Coleman of Bowling Green State University and the analysis examines 22 studies published between 1995 and 2009 involving close to 900,000 women and of whom 163,000 had abortions and the findings angered those in the abortion industry here's some quotes from the findings here by Priscilla Coleman she states that women who have had an abortion have an 81 percent higher risk of subsequent mental health problems compared to women who have not had an abortion. She goes on to state, women who aborted have a 138% higher risk of mental health problems compared to women who have given birth. She also states, women who aborted have a 55% higher risk of mental health problems compared to women with an unplanned pregnancy who gave birth. And she also states, Women with a history of abortion have higher rates of anxiety, depression, alcohol, use or misuse, marijuana use, and suicidal behavior compared to those who have not had an abortion. And we also know that there are physical consequences on the mother as well. The risk of breast cancer almost doubles after one abortion and rises even further with two or more abortions also cervical ovarian and liver cancer women with one abortion have double the risk of cervical cancer and five times greater risk after two or more abortions so we have good biblical reasons why life begins at conception we have good medical reasons why we stand against abortion but there are also you can also argue this legally there are good legal arguments why we should stand against abortion first you know the Supreme Court of the United States declared that they did not know when life began now when you're not clear then it's safest not to act for example a hunter does not shoot when he's not sure what there's out there rustling in the bushes yet our courts decided an embryo was not a life and allowed the killing of an embryo now the vast majority of the international community stands against abortion. For example, the Hippocratic Oath, the oath which all doctors take, states this, I will not give a woman a pessary to produce abortion. The Declaration of Geneva states, I will maintain the utmost respect for human life from the moment of conception. The UN Declaration of the Right of the Child states, the child by reason of his physical and mental immaturity needs special safeguards and care including appropriate legal protection before as well as after birth so you've got good legal arguments and then you also have good philosophical arguments as well well when does life begin when does a human being become a person if it becomes a child outside the womb we can conclude it is a child when it's inside the womb we've argued that life begins at conception and at conception we have a new and living cell the DNA of the embryo is distinct from that of the mother now the question has been rephrased in recent times as to when does a human being become a person the United States Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade separated humanity from personhood it's very interesting here the Supreme Court stated the fetus was a human but not a person and only persons are given the 14th Amendment protection and it's this separation that led to abortion as well as infanticide and euthanasia and as a result of this Western culture began to come up with skewed definitions of what it means to be human for example Francis Crick in the British Journal of Nature stated a child would be considered legally born if after two days of birth it were examined and believed to be an acceptable member of society. Joseph Fletcher in his book Humanhood said the baby was not human unless he had at least an IQ of 40. Well personhood begins at conception. Before conception the egg and sperm belong to the parent but at conception a new cell with a distinct DNA code exists distinct from the parents. The embryo is genetically distinct from the mother so it is not just another organ like an appendix and if it becomes a child outside the womb we can reasonably conclude it is a child inside the womb. We also showed the child has a heartbeat that the child feels pain the child has brainwave activity all that indicate that life begins in the womb life begins at conception well let's take a look at some pro abortion arguments here see what their arguments are and how do we respond to the arguments presented by the pro-abortion community well let's take a look and one of the most popular phrases that you hear number one every woman has the right to control her own body well the key phrase there is right to control her own body that's not necessarily true government does not allow absolute right over one's body for example government does not allow one to get drunk and then drive a car government does not allow one to commit suicide or use dangerous drugs or do something foolish with their body like walk around naked or some other kind of destructive process and also the right to control her own body pregnancy means there are two bodies see the fetus Remember, is distinct from the mother It has a very distinct DNA in other words, the fetus would be rejected out of the mother's system if it were not for the placenta that creates an effective barrier. So the mother has a right to life but so does the fetus that is in the womb. Well, here's another argument that you often hear and especially it's given to those who are looking at having an abortion and those who come into an abortion clinic are told a fetus is a mere tissue and not a person? Well, as we studied previously, the fetus exemplifies the qualities of a person. It has a distinct DNA, it has a heartbeat, it has brainwave activity, it can feel pain. We gave good biblical reasons that life begins in the womb, There are good medical reasons why life begins in the womb, good philosophical reasons and legal reasons to declare that the fetus is a life and not just a piece of tissue. Here's another argument you often hear. Abortion is the best solution to an unwanted pregnancy. The argument is better to abort than to have an unloved child in the world. Well, two wrongs cannot make a right. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 1 and 2 states that it is wrong to add sin to sin. You know Psalm 27 verse Ten commands parents who are unable to care for a child to give it up for adoption or to parents who can properly care for the child. And the majority of cases, most parents who not plan for a child end up loving the child after nine months of pregnancy. When it comes to adoption as well, there's a long list of parents seeking to adopt. So if the parents do not love the child, There are many who will. The issue is not the child, but the selfishness of the parents who want to take a life for selfish reasons. The question is this. Do you have to be wanted to be human? Or should you be wanted because you are human? Well, here's another argument from the pro-abortion community. A woman's choice overrides the fetus intruded into her life. The woman had three choices to make before she engaged in sexual activity that could cause a pregnancy. The woman could have chosen to abstain from sexual activity or she could have chosen to use a contraceptive or after she discovered she was pregnant, the option of adoption. See the child is the innocent victim here who came about as a choice the mother made. Hey so that's a false argument here. Here's another one. Abortion is necessary to save a mother's life. Well, I'd be willing to concede on this one because with technology today this is a very rare case. And in cases like these okay, it's not wrong to save one's life instead of losing two but once again this is a very rare situation here here's a final popular argument you often hear here abortion is better than a handicapped child well raising a handicapped child does call for tremendous sacrifice and that's not a popular concept today is it but not only is the family called to sacrifice for the child but the entire community around the family as well grandma and grandpa cousins aunts and uncles are all called to help in situations like these and in the vast majority of cases that I know personal friends and who have raised handicapped children many have received a great blessing from caring for a handicapped child and in Exodus chapter 4 you know a handicapped child may be a part of God's plan but children learn about love and care and sacrifice you know when they have a handicapped brother or sister and they grow to maturity tremendously so do their cousins and aunts and uncles and the entire community that comes to help in the raising of this child and often the child proves to be a tremendous blessing to the world I mean where would we be without men like Nick Vujicic you know the man born without arms or legs or Helen Keller handicapped people have you know hearing their testimony have inspired millions people throughout the world and also handicaps cover a wide range of disabilities we should not condemn them as a group altogether. and remember tests are always improving but they're not always completely accurate and even in severe cases we have no right to take a life you know if a child dies naturally that's not the taking of a life but no matter how long you may have the child for and how difficult it may be And so I don't say this lightly, you know, as I watch my friends and those who have handicapped children, no matter how long they have that child for, it's a tremendous blessing in the end to their family to raise that wonderful child. And the world is a much better place because of the handicapped men and women who have inspired us, the great things that they have accomplished. Well, how about in cases of rape or incest? Well, this represents less than one percent of pregnancies. Two wrongs do not make a right. And I know this is a very difficult one, but you know, rape is violence and a tremendously evil act against a woman. But so is abortion. And you know, it's not right to murder to relieve one's suffering. The child is innocent. And should not suffer for a crime that they did not commit, or choose. And this represents less than one percent of pregnancies here, so it's a very rare case, but it does happen. But I encourage you to go on my website, evidenceandanswers.org. Listen to a interview I had with a lady named Suzanne Maurer, who had a pregnancy because of a date rape one night. It's a tremendous story how she chose life, and in the end, the son that was born into the world became an incredible blessing to thousands throughout the world. Was it difficult? Oh, yeah, she wanted to commit suicide. She tried to commit suicide when she discovered she was pregnant. Uh, so it was very, very difficult. You know, but she obeyed the Lord, and that son that was born became a tremendous and incredible blessing. I encourage you to go on that website and listen to my interview with Suzanne Mar. Powerful, powerful interview there. Well, what can be done in this situation as we take our stand and choose the right to life? We just can't say, well, we choose life, we choose life, we stand against abortion. There are things that we must do if we're going to stand for the right to life here well first of course we can always pray right, it's one of the most powerful things believers in Christ can do pray for our leaders that uh, you know like here in the Philippines abortion is still illegal but there are bills that are trying to be introduced and some of you have asked me why do these bills keep coming up year after year after year well one of the things that drives the abortion industry is not care for the mother it's money there's an incredible amount of money to be made at these abortion clinics and also the pharmaceutical companies that make the abortion pill stand to gain a lot if abortion is legalized in countries here in Asia so money is what drives abortion here and so we need to pray for our legislators and for the leaders of our country that they would be men and women who would abide by the moral laws of God and stand against abortion. And in America, where I'm from, we pray that our leaders would reverse the decision that was made over 30 years ago. Second, I'd encourage you to join a pro-life organization You know, Concerned Women for America, the National Right to Life, and others are great organizations. Even though it's illegal here in the Philippines, you'll want to join these organizations because bills are trying to be introduced in this country to make abortion legal. Second, give and support to pro-life organizations. Fourth, churches must become centers of information and training. Christians must become informed and understand the issues churches pastors sunday school teachers must educate their congregations on the whole issue and know how to present a good argument not just biblically but good medical legal and philosophical reasons why we stand against abortion okay? just a comprehensive case is a much more powerful case okay? especially when you're dealing with people outside the body of christ who say uh, don't quote the bible to us give us other reasons okay you can say well sure here i can give you medical philosophical and legal reasons why we stand against abortion. So Christians need to study and be equipped to articulate their position in their arena of influence. Fifth, you know churches need to be informed and people need to be equipped how to help women in crisis pregnancies. There are some statistics out there that say 30 percent of women in the United States uh, have had an abortion and in your congregation, there may be young women who are in a crisis pregnancy or who have had an abortion procedure. Well, do they think they're going to come to church and be condemned and chased out and ridiculed and demeaned? Or do they know that, you know, church is somewhere where I can confide in some people in confidentiality and receive some good counseling and some help? And come to see God's grace and love reflected in the people and leaders of the church. I mean, are we equipped to help these women and be sensitive to them? I mean, if you're preaching, you got to understand. Uh, you know, on this issue, there are probably several women in your church and in your schools, in your Christian schools here, who may be in a situation of crisis pregnancy or who have gone through an abortion. So you need to be sensitive to that and equip people in your church. To help these women in these situations. And women also outside the church in a crisis pregnancy situation, do they know that they can come to your church and receive some good counseling and advice and help in the situation that they have? And finally, churches can start pregnancy care centers for women. You know, a lot of people think, well, it takes a lot of money and expertise and good medical background to start these kind of places in our church. No, it doesn't. You know, in my home church in Hawaii, there's a place called A Place for Women. It's a crisis pregnancy center, but it also gives post-abortion care and counseling for women, a tremendously powerful ministry touching the lives of hundreds of women each year. And guess what? It was started by women who didn't have a medical background just a burden for these women and they they didn't have a lot of experience or a lot of money you know but they prayed and in faith they wanted to do something about the situation and so they stepped out and you know when people discovered their vision and that they were willing to you know put their time and effort and sacrifice into a place like this guess what God brought people along and people donated to them clothes and things that young mothers will need and they were also donated medical equipment and doctors and psychologists and nurses now volunteer their time here at this crisis pregnancy center called a place for women and there's also a tremendous counseling ministry for post abortive women women who have had abortion can experience the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ upon their lives so here is a ministry that a church started just a group of women who prayed and were moved by God to start this ministry with no money and no you know medical background here they start this tremendous ministry here and churches here can do the same if you're a medium to large-sized church you could start this ministry if you're a small church get together with four or five other churches and start this kind of ministry. It can be done without a huge, large sum of money. Just a bunch of women who pray and are willing to be used by God. It's a tremendous, tremendous ministry. You know, there are a lot of women out there looking for a place like this. And do they know that your church is a place that they can come to? So in these arenas, we can stand for life. If we're going to stand for life, we better be able to put our money where our mouth is and to act and to help women in these kinds of situations here. Well as we studied I hope I presented that the fetus in the womb is indeed a life and deserves to be protected and does have the right to life. And so I pray as a body of believers in Christ we could go into the arenas of our culture and present a compelling case for why we stand against abortion and the freedom and protection of all life including life within the womb thank you very much god bless you all
0: this concludes pat's message on abortion and the right to life if you missed any part of this message Log on at evidenceandanswers.org and you can listen to the entire series and enjoy other great resources right there on the site. Pat's ministry relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. I hope you'll be with us next week as Pat and his friends continue to present evidence for faith and answers to tough questions and issues. Join us again right here for more Evidence and Answers.